1: Welcome to the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Gary Trust, really excited to have a Grammy and Emmy Award winning songwriter, producer, founder of Kid in a Corner Records, Alex DeKid here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me. This is really interesting. We're going to talk about so many uh, things you've done because you've had uh, really a relatively short time such a uh, hit packed career. You've been all over uh, billboard charts here in, in the, the 2010s, starting back with uh, Airplanes and Love the Way You Lie. And uh, I, I want to start, though, with your current hit, because this is really interesting from from the creative process of how this one uh, came together, and it's it's your first single as an artist, uh, Alex. It's uh, uh, Not Easy, uh, a song that was collaborated with... Uh, some some human beings, but also IBM Watson. So <laughs> tell me what this, this, uh, <laughs> this is the first time we've ever had to say that, the, that, the, that we have a, a, a non-human collaborator. I, I love that.
2: Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can tell you a bit about it. Um, I basically started collaborating with IBM and Watson about a year ago um, and just kind of asking, uh, you know, once we got the parameters of what we were kind of trying to do um, – I just started asking some, you know, I'm very inquisitive and my, my creative process always starts with conversation anyway. So I was kind of really turned on by the fact that I could do that at scale um, with Watson um, and just kind of ask, you know, just kind of understand more data and just, you know, and just kind of understand human conversation and, you know, the human condition and human thinking a little more like in depth Um so yeah, so we started basically. I started basically asking questions and just kind of you know looking at the data, and then kind of took that inspiration, and then went into the studio and created a song. Um, the normally way I do it, you know, with the artists, and 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 uh, you know
1: that's kind of what happened. And short version. So for for people who don't know, Watson is it's a cognitive uh, technology that. Uh that you you uh, you ask it questions and, and it, it it responds in its own way so how did this work specifically did this uh, you ask questions about uh, uh, song data or popular culture uh, data song lyrics it looked at uh things that are being discussed in in, uh, in in movie scripts and articles how exactly did, did this whole process work
2: yeah so basically we did kind of what you just said um, we asked about trends in songs over the last 5 years and we also asked about popular culture and just things that are happening in society we also looked at social media and looked at you know tons of conversations um on a macro and micro level and kind of got back these interesting results which basically suggested that um people like um you know they like darker songs they like uh, you know that like, anger was pretty high up on the on the uh, charts we had discussed um which i was kind of surprised at because i'm I'm always drawn to darker songs my songs always kind of have a dark um, element to them because i just think it pain and anger are a bit more you know just have a bit more depth to it and just have yeah. more levels to it um but i didn't know everybody else felt that way too so uh you know that's kind of a simple version of, of, of what we did and what we found and then i took all of that kind of data and then kind of started thinking about how to use it and how to you know kind of move forward in the creative process
1: did uh, ibm come to you with this idea i know you're you're a techie you you love this kind of stuff how how did it even come about
2: yeah so um i just started um a creative agency within my record company so um we kind of you know work with brands um and big blue chip companies and help them with their marketing efforts because you know my feeling is that music is super under leveraged in marketing um a lot of times people just look at it as a as a song um but there's so much more that you know music can do like music's you know absolutely like the language of emotions like we can move people's emotions better than anything else i I would say out there so you know and and all the research not to go into too much detail but all the research that shows that like when consumers are moved emotionally it definitely boosts product sales and everything else so so i just think that you know so we basically started um you know a creative agency within you know kind of i guess what i'm doing at kid in the corner and then you know we took on ibm as a client and uh and started working with each other
1: was it uh similar in some ways even though you're you're dealing with a computer system was it sort of similar maybe you'd be sitting around with other uh, other human uh, collaborators kicking around ideas and this was just sort of a, a more technological way to maybe arrive at the same starting point for what you might write a song about kind of it definitely the start of it
2: because um you know like i said before most of my creative process starts a conversation so a lot of the times when i work with an artist um or a songwriter i you know we you know we either go for a drink or we're in the studio and i'll start you know asking them very personal questions about love and about you know their childhood and stuff and that kind of sets the tone for what we do a lot of times and so that's what i did with i guess but on a on a scale that i couldn't normally have access to with watson where i'm looking at all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, on social media and stuff like that with people kind of just having conversations. So that part, you know, was
1: definitely very interesting for sure. So you just took out the small talk. You just got right to the point of of what you needed to write about.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's a process. It doesn't just happen, obviously. And it's still like, you know, a big thing that like I think people kind of, um, don't quite get a lot of the times is that you know AI in general and definitely Watson you know is not here to replace human beings in any way. It's just a tool, just like you know how I use a laptop to make music
1: is a tool. Yeah, you know, I mean it sort of reminds <coughs> it sort of reminds me of in in, in sports how uh, you, you know the human element the human element uh, versus. Uh, all the statistics that have become a, a part of of, uh, of of the way sports are run now, where it's you know it, it's the analytics age. So this is sort of the musical version of that, where you're you're just looking at what songs have been hits and, and maybe why they were. Was it just the lyrics? Was it also? It, it wasn't the music, right? It was just the lyrical angle that that Watson uh, provided.
2: No, yeah, it was it was it was basically looking at like trends of um, what's going on in culture and society um one of the things i wanted to understand is like you know when things are going you know quote unquote bad in society do people want to hear you know songs that are uplifting to escape from that or do they want to hear songs about that you know it's just things like that there's a kind of understanding human behavior from all the data that's just super interesting to me because you know it's just i'm just you know and yeah so and getting back to the just what i was saying before just you know it's you know it's definitely a tool it's not like a replacement for for humans which is you know i'm i i'm I'm an optimist when it comes to technology and i kind of i think i'm you know i look at it i think a lot of people are scared and fearful of things that i understand and um you know i kind of look at you know this is like you know i wouldn't 90 percent of the music i make wouldn't exist without you know tools without my laptop and like you know all the things I used to kind of you know create music so you know to me it's a really positive thing
1: and then uh, and then at that point Watson's work was done right you you had the data and then from there it was it was you on to writing the song and and Watson didn't have anything to do with lyrics after that or did you go back at all for, for anything else that was just more for preliminary uh data before writing the song
2: yeah. So after, after we did that, um, I just collaborated in my normal fashion with the artists, you know, I, so I work closely with ex ambassadors on are science in my label and, you know, we work all right. the time just creating stuff. So that was kind of, you know, we created song, you know, we created everything just kind of based on, you know, how we normally work in our creative dynamic. Um, and then we kind of took it to, to Wears and Earl and they did their part, you know, um, but yeah, so that was kind of I was I, at no point was I telling like Watson to like you know I was change that melody or or tell me about your bad relationship you know <laughs> it wasn't
1: that fluid that was more with the artist and uh, a lot of your songs they. They, they they hit a lot of different sounds. Uh, one of your most recent uh, hits that you've written and produced, "Sucker for Pain," uh, it, it's got m- maybe more artists on it than we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, a, a listing on any of our charts from Lil Lane to Imagine Dragons, it, it's on our rock charts. It's on our uh, hip hop charts. You well, maybe more than anyone. You you really um, go across a lot of different sounds. Is that you're just saying how much you like technology? Is that based? On growing up in an era where people have access to laptops and it's it's easier to dive into different sounds maybe than ever before and and also growing up uh, just in an iTunes world where you can get any type of music uh, so easily,
2: yeah, no totally I think the barriers to like to music have all gone away because of the internet so um also I grew up in obviously in London, so like I feel like radio in London is a bit more less it's less segregated in general, especially you know in the old days um so the kind of you know radio one plays everything um so that I think influenced me and I grew up in a very multicultural kind of place so that obviously influenced me and uh you know a lot of the ways I've like I create is based around me like making like fictitious partnerships up in my mind so I'll I'll be like you know what would happen if Wu-Tang Clan and Kings of Leon made a song together and then I'll try and make that you know, that, that, that music track. And then I'd end up giving that to like Rihanna or someone like that. <laughs> That's kind of how yeah. I go about making stuff. So I love the idea of like mixing things that haven't really been mixed before or just trying to experiment. You know, that to me is the fun part of making music.
1: And, and I've asked this a lot on the podcast for, for anyone who's listening one of the things we've talked about is collaboration and writing. And how uh, that's that's pretty much uh, the way songs are written nowadays. You you like that whole process of collaborating with other writers? I know you've written uh, a lot of the a lot of the songs that you've had on our charts were written with other people. Do you feel that uh, one vision can can come up, can come out of a writing session with uh, with many different writers? Yeah, I think um, I think it's good to have a
2: foundation. Like you, and you need you do need a vision. Like it's hard if everyone's pulling in different directions. But that, as right. as as the producer, that's kind of my job, you know. So, um, you know, to establish the vision, and and I think one of the things, if I'm good at anything, one of the things I'm good at is like having a very definite vision for things. And as soon as I hear things, I know exactly what I want them to sound like and where we should go, you know. So, um, yeah. But you know, collaboration is is paramount to my process because you know I just think you know it can make you know it can make it makes things better. And if and if people bring ideas to the table. That are not better than mine, then I just say they're not. They're not good enough, you know. But most of the times, you know, they are great, and you know they incorporate them into what we're doing, and then it just makes everything better.
1: Yeah, I guess there could be some ego involved in a writing session, maybe <laughs> five or six people, and who, who who makes the final call? Is it just uh, whatever sounds like it clicks the most? Uh, Merit based. Yeah, well, a lot of like I said before, like it, a lot of the time,
2: it's like. I make so basically the process is I make tend to make the music by myself. Um, you know, when it's just like one sole focus and then I'll work with a songwriter to get the hook um, in a great place. And then we'll go out to other writers and they'll kind of contribute from there. So like, there's already like a, I like to get places get things to a place where there's a, a solid foundation. And then, and then we'll go out and like, kind of, so at that point, like people have already bought into the ideas probably of, you know, what me and the person that's writing the hook have put down. So, um they ever like it or they don't it's not like a it's not really like a debate (laughs) and then they add their part if they like it
1: (laughs) right i i I think a lot of people a lot of music fans know what a songwriter is that that's pretty self-explanatory but how do you describe the job of what a producer is in music um i definitely think i mean it's changed
2: over the years and changes like depending on genres but um for me it's just ultimately someone that has a vision you know and someone that can pull everything together whether it's you know musicians or um a lot of producers in program music make the music themselves like i do um a lot of the time so it's just about like pulling everything together and i and i try to take that that idea of a producer like steps further so like that's always been my goal so like I love to influence the process of everything I'm involved with. So at first it was just the music. And then I take that one step further and I, then I start my own record label and publishing company just so I can influence, because you can spend, I've been in these situations before where you spend, you know, a year working on a song and then you play it to an A&R and like, he just doesn't get it for whatever reason. He may just have had an argument with his wife or he's in a bad mood and he just doesn't even listen to yeah. it. And then you've wasted all that time. So like, I hate being in that position. So I never put myself in that position. So I just take that idea and just like the, the idea of having a vision um, and then, like, take it to the point of, like, you know, being able to influence, obviously, owning your own record label and then now creative agency and things like that, you know, it's just, like, that vision, you know, goes beyond just, can go beyond just the music side, you know. But it's still, you know, it's still a big part of, like, having people hear your music and liking it, hopefully.
1: Right. Yeah, I I, I want to get into the business uh, side of of Kid on a Corner and and how you started that. Um, I I just wanted to ask, uh, in terms of uh, producing artists, is it uh, it different with certain artists? Are you more hands-on with some and others? Is it, you know, if you're working with a brand-new artist, maybe... You're calling the shots a little bit more, but uh, you've worked with, say, uh, Dr. Dre or, or Bono and <laughs> The Edge, and you're, you're you're coming in and they've been doing this for thirty you know, something years. Are you a little more letting them drive the process, or it's it's all collaborative? And, and again, the music uh, dictates where everything's going to go.
2: Yeah, I think um, my process is. Uh, yeah i guess i'm probably i'm very hands-on um and like i said before like the the creative process the writing process and the producing process all kind of merge into one process so like it's, it's there's no lines of like okay now right. i'm a writer now i produce it all kind of happens organically together um and even working with great people like you know bono and you two and and uh and dr Dre and stuff that was a little earlier in my career and But they still allowed me to do that. You know, when I first worked with Dre, um, you know, I was kind of going in there saying, you know, I just want to kind of learn. I don't want to like, you know, and he was like, the reason why I'm working with you is because I want you to bring to the table what you're good at. So... He kind of allowed me to, to, you know, produce him. He was the artist at that point and I was the producer, you know, so even though he's like the best producer ever. <laughs> so it was yeah. kind of you know, it was, it was weird at first, but then, you know, he's such a nice person that it just became you know, he made it seem you know made it so so cool and easy to do. And I just I learned so much from actually those two sessions from from Bono especially and from you and from and from Dr. Dre. Um
1: but yeah, it's kind so of Bono like Bono and the Edge there. They're cool to work with in the studio, amazing. it wasn't too intimidating. They were they were, they were good to you.
2: It was, no, yeah, amazing. You know, they kind of, um, I guess, took me on... on it's, it's a weird dynamic because they kind of took me under their wing, but at the same time, I'm supposed to be in charge because I'm the producer. <laughs> so, like, you know, so it's kind of... It's it's interesting, but they gave me the freedom to do that. And, you know, they gave... You know, basically, they, they wanted me to do what I do best, you know, so that's kind of, like, be the producer. So, um, you know, at first, it was a little bit like, you know, I was, I guess, you know, I was just kind of, like seeing what it was but then you know they're both so kind of accommodating that i just kind of did my normal thing which is me kind of being very hands-on and kind of having that vision and just kind of explaining it and and uh you know just kind of you know again i'm very definite in what i think so it's there's no gray area it's like you know and that, i think you need that a lot of times in the studio because you can get kind of lost in the gray sometimes
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars? I can really use a wish right now, wish right now, wish right now. Can we pretend that airplanes
1: Give everyone the, uh, the 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 quick story of how uh, you, you even wound up in in the position where you are now as one of one of the biggest uh, hit makers on uh, from as both a writer and a producer. You were you were in England and you were we, we have to say a, a footballer to, to us it's <laughs> soccer but but to you it's it, it's football. You were doing that and you decided that that probably wasn't going to be the best career choice for you, and then you really uh, dedicated yourself to music you moved to uh, the states and you started uh, started getting attention is that uh, did, did i get that right i think i just yeah. told the story for you alex <laughs> you did so so eloquently it, um yeah basically
2: um i was i was you know playing football in england and kind of fell out of love with that and just my friend gave me a, 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 an early version of fruity loops which i started using and uh, just completely fell in love with music and my whole life changed and i just you know fell in love like unequivocally and just all I could focus on was music like that's all I could see that's all I you know so just every day was just that and I loved it and I still do you know so and I just and I moved to America because I always wanted to come to the biggest market in the world and just you know try and be if you're going to try and be successful anywhere, it's so hard you might as well try in the biggest market (laughs) so you know that was always the goal and then I you know managed to get some attention
1: and kind of went from there. Yeah, and uh, early on, uh, we'll we'll go through some of your hits. But how did how did Kid in a Corner uh, get founded, and now it's it's a part of uh, Interscope, so all the releases are, are distributed through Interscope. But how how did that work? That you uh, you, you come over from uh, from England. You're in the states, and, and uh, really before too long, relatively, uh, you have your own imprint. And uh, how how did that work? Was it uh, persistence in, uh, in in making contacts in the business? yeah just like
2: i'm i'm a horrible networker so but i figured out i guess a way of making people like me i'm very adorable so i don't know how that <laughs> works together but it somehow it does <laughs>
1: it, it, it's the it's the accent is part of it yeah i think yeah uh, nice guy yes the accent I, doesn't hurt
2: yes i think if i uh <laughs> if i sounded american i would not have a career but um <laughs> uh yeah so I, I basically just started meeting people and writing with people and just you know and just getting better and you know ultimately you know just getting better at what i do i think and then um i managed to do a song called airplanes for bob that was like the first hit i had Um and then eminem got on the remix of that and then uh i sent him some music uh, and he liked it and i went to detroit and met him and then we did love the way you lie and that kind of those two songs like very in quick succession were both big hits and that kind of put me on the map and then i met jimmy iveen and and you know we did a label together um yeah and, and that kind of it just it, you know it's been it's been very it's been a it's been a crazy ride um and then that now I've just like so now I'm kind of at a stage where I'm independent I, I you know me and in still work together but um you know moving forward you know I'm 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 very excited about doing the independent thing I think you know it's such an interesting time in the music business to to, to have independence um so yeah that's kind of where we are right
1: now and it's it's, it's exciting and uh this new song uh, not easy it's it's the first of it's actually four songs that you uh, collaborated with as uh, as uh, watson based cognitive songs. so you have your first ep coming out as an artist so this is actually one song that you did with watson there are three others that were done uh, the same way
2: yes there are three others that are are kind of um being done <laughs> and um yeah I'm, I'm kind of working on the ep um you know, and kind of working on that. You know, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Do you feel a different uh, pressure? Is it feel different to be listed in the artist field after usually uh, being uh, behind the scenes? Um, yeah, I, I have a different take
2: on the artist thing because my goal isn't to be famous. It's more to like try and build a platform for for artists that and bring opportunities to artists that n- wouldn't necessarily get them. So for me, it's, I'm not going to be going on tour um i'm you know i'm running a company i don't have i can't you know so my you know not to say i won't do performances i may do but i won't be going on tour i'm not going to be like doing the traditional artist thing um but i think building a platform um is interesting to me and i just want to kind of you know i love developing artists that's my favorite thing to do and and so you know i kind of want to build this alex the kid platform to
1: be able to help do that and it's interesting too with kid in a corner it's you work with a lot of uh, a lot of brands and it, it maybe in a way that's more uh, closely involved than than other partnerships because you're you, you bring the creative side so something like uh, with, with ex ambassadors with renegades. It's it's part its own song, but it's it's also part Jeep commercials. So you're, you're kind of blurring lines there as well between the music and how how music can be synced. And I mean that really broke uh, X ambassadors to to a whole new level. Yeah, that was that was definitely a turning point for
2: us in X ambassadors career. And I and, and I do think that like you know there's been this whole perception on like doing commercials or working with brands that you know people just kind of do it to to get a check and like you know the creative sucks but I want to try and change that paradigm and make the creative good. You know, we got a lot of tremendous feedback on, on the renegade campaign. um, And, you know, Olivier, the CMO of of Chrysler, um, kind of, you know, he's kind of a a renegade himself and uh, he like kind of, you know, you know, he allowed us to kind of, you know, make everything feel organic to the artists, you know, which was, which I think was the, the reason why I was successful. And, and, you know, and it doesn't have to be this whole thing of like, you know, just stand here and do product placement and just say you love the product it can be so much more integrated than that i think that's the future of advertising and and you know i think it's a big part of music too because there's so much music out there you've got to be able to differentiate yourself from other things um you know because everything is you know a lot of music is good you know i i I listen to so much good stuff on soundcloud and like these people have no following at all and it's because there's no like curation it's like hard if you're a fan it's hard to like really settle and focus on one thing So these opportunities help to, you know,
1: kind of separate you from the noise. And so, you know,
2: it's really exciting, I think, where we're going
1: with music. No, that's an interesting case with that because it was such a big hit at Alternative Radio. And and the thought hit me at one point that how how weird is it that Alternative Radio, which was founded on on being, you know, artists who were were totally alternative on the outside (laughs) – it made a big hit out of a song that you hear on a commercial all the time like, that, that's not alternative that that that's that's commercial that's top 40 but when you talk about the the alternate route that uh was taken to, to get the song noticed it, it it's it's sort of in that same spirit that yeah how how do i get noticed and and it wasn't just a, a song written for the band to hear you sing this it it kind of shows you that there, there there's an alternative spirit when you look at it that way to, to the way that that whole that whole song came about
2: yeah, and I think if the if the creative for that for the marketing is good and interesting and works with the artist, I think it can only help the art form. You know, if it is only it only is terrible when the when the commercial and everything you're building in the marketing sucks, and then it's really bad. So we have to make sure that it doesn't do that. <laughs> but like, if it's good, it helps. Hopefully, it'll help elevate it because these brands do have big platforms. They spend lots of money in media. You know, they have big big uh, you know networking channels and their distribution and stuff. So. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's a positive thing if you get it right,
1: for sure. And uh, where did the name "Kid in a Corner" and, and I guess uh, uh, "Alex the Kid"? Where, where'd that uh, moniker come from, Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm Alex the Kid, and um, obviously, <laughs> um, "Kid in the Corner" is, 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 I guess you know, it's a like play on me being in a corner. Um, and I love, I love restriction in my creative process. I like, so I like the idea of a corner and just kind of being by myself. And I think you know, I just. Uh, I have a real fondness for like not having distractions i think you know when i first started doing music it's like such a fragile state when you find you first find your passion everything is so fragile and any kind of distraction will like take you off your path and i feel like if you can put yourself like almost in a corner and like just not have any distraction um it just helps because like the first year or so of you finding your passion is like everything you know that's when you have to do the major you know kind of work um to make it real
1: and try and build a career out of it, so that kind of come from came from all of that really. How often is it that uh, you know, someone who runs a business maybe has that artistic side? You're you're maybe the rare mix of, of the the creative mind and and running the business. Is it ever is there ever uh, times when when those sort of clash in you when when you have to do uh, some of the business side and you'd rather just be in the studio creating or? Are there times when you just don't want to create? It may be easier to uh, just go over some of the numbers or you just make it all work. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the thing that sucks is, I guess, like the amount of emails
2: I have that can get a bit intense sometimes. But (laughs) everything else, I mean, I really love it. I always encourage creative people to take an interest in your business because it's the platform where your art sits on. So you can be the best artist in the world, but unless you take an interest in your business, no one's gonna really understand it or like it's not gonna be given the proper platform. So I think they go hand in hand. And I and I, I really love being creative in business as well. I think it's it's super challenging. I I get the same buzz out of it that I do when I create, you know, music. So I think they both go super hand in hand and I you know, I think especially in today's age, in the internet age, in the age where you can go direct to the consumer, like if you're a creative person, you know, take control of your art. And make sure that people see it in the proper light, because you know if you just give that over to other people a lot of times, you know it may not, and then you've got you got yourself to blame.
0: Just gonna stand there and watch me burn Well that's suck. So-
2: I
1: can't tell you what it really is. I can only tell you what it feels like. And right now, I want to ask you, uh, Alex, about uh, there's a couple of your hits. You mentioned uh, airplanes was your first uh, biggest, uh, first big hit. Uh, went to number two on the Billboard Hot 100 for B.O.B. Uh, featuring uh, Paramore's Haley Williams. That got the attention of Eminem. You started working with with Eminem and then uh, seven weeks at number one on the Hot 100 in 2010 for Love the Way You Lie. I was just reading before this, this interview. You didn't know until the very last minute that that song was even going to be on uh, Eminem's recovery album? As much as it sounds <laughs> like a hit now, it, it really yeah. went down to the wire like that? It
2: did because – we out like i said i went to detroit and we recorded it it was very last minute half of the album had already been mastered and they were mastering the rest of it that day and then he you know we kind of mixed the song together and he you know then we like the song sounds great and then we had to get rihanna to to do her part and she was in dublin on tour And so we basically sent it to her and we were waiting waiting a day just because we didn't know if it was gonna, we really didn't know if she was gonna get it done in time. She was on tour and she was trying to get a studio, but she was, you know, she's on tour. Like she's kind of like, you know, probably taking naps and just, she was like, we didn't like, we couldn't get hold of her for like hours. And then she just sent it back and we loved it. And then we very quickly mixed her vocals in. And at that point, the entire album was already mastered and had to, I think we were pushing back the album and like, it was all like, kind of hands on deck and then yeah it kind of made it and but even at that time like you know a lot of people didn't really think it was going to be you know as big as it was um especially at radio because you know but yeah people you know it came out and then I remember I remember distinctly that it came out and everyone liked it but still people weren't like a hundred percent sure and then Rihanna had a, a show at Staples Center and Eminem came out out of the floor and like I think all the press were there and I think everybody was all the gatekeepers were there and after that moment it just exploded it's kind yeah. of funny how things work you know
1: how was that song specifically written because it was you it was Eminem and Skylar Grey so did did Eminem uh, come up with with all the rap part did you and Skylar come up with the love the way you like uh, hook in the chorus that was actually so Skylar
2: um, who's also signed to me um you know that was the f- I think that was like the s- second or third track I sent her so I made the track and then I sent her you know just a couple of tracks and she sent me back that one and another one that Eminem really liked um, and so I I loved them freaked out and then we sent them to Eminem's manager and and then he you know obviously wrote his rap part um, so she, Skylar pretty much I changed some of the arrangement a little bit but Skylar pretty much wrote the hook herself um, uh, and this, it's funny because when you just first meet like it, we were like is this going to be like every song's going to be like this is this this easy it's just kind of like you know like you don't you know you don't have any context for like you know is that easy to go to like one number one for seven weeks oh i didn't know it was that easy and then you know <laughs> you kind of realize right. that it's not
1: <laughs> so you hear that hook do, do you think you know not not to be uh, you know overconfident but you, you hear a hook like that do you think yep that's a hit or can you just never tell when something you've written is going to connect on that yeah. kind of level
2: I remember, like, kind of, um, like, kind of rushing to my, my then manager's house, who had a relationship with Paul, who's Eminem's manager, and just like playing him these two songs that she just wrote, and I I thought they were just perfect for Eminem, like I really thought that they would be amazing for Eminem, and then you know, so I I was definitely super excited. I didn't know it was going to be like what it was, but I definitely felt like it would be perfect for Eminem. And and before that, I, I had been sending him like other ideas and like tracks and stuff, and so I started to get like an idea of what he liked. You know, because he would say, "I like that one," I don't like that one, and stuff. So, I, you know, and I just kind of, it all kind of just fitted together, and and uh, yeah. So, I kind of did know that it was, you know, it was going to be something he probably would like. I didn't know he was, you know, going to just record it. You know, he recorded it pretty quickly afterwards, and and uh, it just kind of all
1: happened. So, that was fun. Are you are, are you a Billboard charts fan, Alex? Do you do you follow when your songs are are, are going up the charts? Yes, of course. I mean,
2: I study the charts a lot. <laughs>
1: Good, good answer, Correct
2: answer. <laughs> yeah. another lie that i carry on i need to get yeah. back to the place yeah. i'm coming go. home i'm coming home i'm
0: coming Tell home, the I'm coming home. Yeah. let the rain wash away
1: After uh, Love the Way You that the next uh, hit you actually had on the Hot 100 was uh, a song I put in a similar kind of category with, with uh, the, the half rap, half uh, just such a, such a great chorus. It was uh, Coming Home. Yes. That was a fun one. Um, R- written to totally different or, or same type of process? Similar process. Written, me, and, right?
2: me and Skylar. And then um, actually Coming Home, that they, they were kind of blur into one. So Jay-Z wrote the verses for that. And J. Cole. <laughs> who wasn't big at the time, but has obviously since become huge, um, right. and because so basically, I I made that for Ti because Ti was coming home from prison, <laughs> and right, yeah, yeah, and so I would I literally was stalking Ti, so I, my, I had we had friends in common, so I would get like our friends in common to like just bring me to wherever he was and just show up at a club or whatever and just like keep on giving him the song, and he he liked it, but he wasn't like recording it, so I kept on just doing that and it didn't move anywhere. And then Puff heard the song at Jimmy's house and was saying, I have to have this song. This is a song for me. is my single. And I was like, no, I've got to give it to TI because he's coming home. It makes so much sense. He's, you're not coming home from prison. He is like, um, so, you know, so like uh, after a lot of, you know, conversations, you know, Puff got JD to write it for him and, um, and actually, and J Cole and a ton of other rappers that he ended up picking Jay's version and um yeah and then you know, he recorded there and it sounded great and then we tweaked some of the production and you you know came out and it was a big hit
1: yeah it just feels like lyrically it's such an inspirational universal kind of lyric who, who can't hear that the coming home phrase and just apply it to you know, so many points in, in anyone's life you really hit upon something lyrically with that one
2: yeah, no, it felt good at the time. At that point, we were, like, you know, me and Skylar were writing, like, pretty much every day together, and we were just in a groove, you know. Everything, you know, we were writing, you know, everything we wrote was, was being, like, taken, and everyone went, like, because after Love the Way You Lie, it kind of went into a place of, you know, of everyone kind of, we became, like, the it thing, you know, um, so everyone was coming to us for that kind of sound, you know, and... and um yeah so we were just writing all the time and everybody wanted every song and it started, it's it's funny because you go really quickly from like no one caring about your songs and no one caring about you to like people fighting over your songs and like you have to become a politician and you can't like you know you can't give one song to this person or you have to give if right. you do that you have to give two songs to this other person and it's is you know it's, it's kind of a different dynamic
1: I'll ask you about uh, one more uh, song, Alex, that you, you had a huge hit with. And you've actually uh, had two uh, diamond singles uh, on the charts. Uh, love the way you lie is uh, certified uh, platinum 11 times uh, radioactive. Imagine dragons uh, 10 times platinum. And that actually holds a, a very distinctive Billboard Hot 100 record. Do, do you know what record Radioactive holds in, in is Hot 100 it, history? I think
2: I do. It's the longest-running song on Billboard Hot 100. I think it was 86 or 87 weeks or something. Am I close? 80, 80, wow.
1: I, I thought it was going to stump you. You got it exactly. 87 <laughs> weeks on the Hot 100. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, longest-running longest hit of, of all time and in the Hot 100's 58-year history. <laughs>
2: no. You know what? Some of the funnest things about doing music is when, if you have a song that is reacting on Billboard that you just checking the charts – like. Like every week is like it's like a game it's like so fun like to like that's like yeah. you know um that's like this, dr j told me that like there's no feeling like kind of you know when you've had a hit and like you see people listening to it and you're checking the charts it's like that's the best time ever in life if you're like a musician or producer or whatever
1: so yeah oh, that's great and yeah and that song it, it you know started at alternative radio worked its way over to pop and, and just hung around for for a long time, and that's another one of those songs that is sort of like not easy, and some of your other hits that kind of blends different sounds. It's it's alternative, but it's, it's sort of a uh, you know, trap element to it. There, there's a lot musically going on in Radioactive. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, it's, it's kind of so. Basically, every single song I've made has pretty much not been for the person that ends up doing it. Um, so <laughs> for Radioactive, I started that, I started the, the track, I think, for Skylar. Um and it just kind of you know then I you know I had I, had, I just I kind of found Imagine Dragons and we started working a lot and the way we kind of started was was it wasn't for them as a band really so much as it we were just writing to create it wasn't really to you know for their album or anything it just we just we were writing and um yeah and then we started Radioactive and it felt really good and but people didn't really understand it because it was so different you know for an alternative band to like kind of have right. something that kind of that programmed and. And, um, and then like, you know, the band added some guitars and like, you know, a few like kind of live elements. And then I would like take, so basically how we work is that they, they record stuff and then over my productions, and then I will kind of take it and like treat it like, you know, a sample or I'll just treat it and like, you know, kind of, put, you know, take their raw elements and make them work with the track. And then, yeah, it kind of just, you know, um, we put it out there. Dan, the lead singer, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Jenkins was really passionate about the song and, um you know you know so you know we, we end up using it and it just kind of literally from day one it was the song that was it wasn't the first single but it was a song that people reacted with and it just you know it just kind of it was just uh it was just very urgent and it's one like a lot of my songs maybe not some of the earlier ones but the ones that start off more in the alternative space and, and like kind of where my career has gone they they they're not like they don't start on like you know Top 40, they start alternative and they take a long time to build to top 40, but then they, they stick around for a long time. And, and Radioactive kind of did that. And it's, you know, it's still like selling and streaming like crazy. So um, that's the kind of stuff
1: I love to do, is like hopefully make songs that last a, a while. Well, this has been really uh, fun to talk to you, Alex. And, you know, I started this podcast uh, uh, earlier this year, and a big part of it was to talk with songwriters and producers and and really find out the backstories of of songs and how they get created. And one of the things we found through through a lot of different uh, conversations is how – uh, how there's so much more uh, collaboration and and uh, how technology plays in, a, in in the part of how uh, younger uh, artists who grew up in in the, the internet era create music now and, and you're just like the perfect example of how you've taken all those different influences and and uh, that's how your music you're now creating with with Watson uh, with, with IBM Watson and you've turned it into a whole business for yourself this is this is uh, great education for anyone uh, listening well thanks that, that means a lot and yeah I
2: think it's a really exciting Time, you know, where where we're going in music, um, I think you know with streaming and everything else, I think it's you know the business you know is is starting to hit an upward swing again. And I think we're just at the start of it. And I think you know it's a really exciting time to like be making music. And the, obviously, what you know, being in music has always been sexy and fun, and everyone wants to be in music. But the business of it now is is I think gonna kind of rebound and catch up and be just as sexy and fun. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited to be in it. You know, it's just it's just a great community to be a
1: part of. Alex, thank you so much for taking some time to uh, chat about all your hits, your process, and and your new song uh, here on the Billboard uh, Charpie podcast. Thank you so much for having me.